0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome,
1: welcome, anybody. You want to run with the Game Changers. You are in the right place. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Mm. Changers Radio. Today we're going to talk about what else? Innovation. We're going to help you figure out if you're an innovation laggard, OMG, or an innovation leader. And if you want to morph from one to the other... We're going to give you some clues how to get there, so let me get started here. Innovation is the buzz of the day, and if you've been wondering why your organization hasn't achieved legendary status as an innovator in your company, in your industry, in your part of the world, we may have the answer. Simply put, you can't do innovation while you're doing a lot of other things, Period. End of story. It takes focus. It takes concentration. You have to extract the maximum value from innovation. You need to find new and better ways to do your business. You need to equip your company with the intention, such an important word, and the capability to innovate, wait for it, wait for it, all the time, everywhere. I've got a great panel for you who are going to explain this, expand on it, and help you figure out where do you stand on that continuum of innovation qualifications and how do you get from the laggard side or somewhere in that vicinity up to the amazing side, the leadership side. So first up, I'd like to welcome a newcomer to SAP Game Changers Radio. It's Laurent Dupraz. I hope I said that right. He's an IS director at a perfume company. And he sent me a wonderful Peter Drucker quote. Here's what Laurent told me. He said, If you want something new, you have to stop doing something old, from Mr. Drucker. Laurent Dupraz, welcome. How are you today?
2: Thank you. I'm fine.
1: Thank you for joining me. Talk to me about your quote. Tell us what this means with our conversation about laggard and leader in innovation.
2: So, in in my perspective, IS is going to change drastically. Um, I think we are going to have two types of IS information services, Uh, it's like an asset. So, the objective is to reduce cost, uh, to have less people, to reduce our maintenance, to reduce also the number of applications to have the minimum infrastructure. So it's all, I'm speaking always about reducing. And then the second type of IS, which are new innovation as a service. So, uh, so it means to create value for the business, to create uh, new opportunities. So I took this sentence because we can't continue to pay, to pay large amount of money. So we need to reduce our costs, go fast, fail fast, and we need also to manage our risk. So it means to revisit IS concept, revisit our project, and revisit the financial aspect.
1: Laurent, thank you very much. I love the idea of failing fast, and we hear that more and more. You know, the mantra in business used to be, you want to avoid failure. It's a bad thing. And now we hear that failure can teach you a lot of lessons. It can let you start at a new starting place with more knowledge and more wisdom, and then move forward faster. So don't be afraid of failing. Is failing fast something uh, that you, your spouse, something that you find is important in, in your industry? Yes, of course,
2: because we we need to experiment, so as soon as we are failing, it means that we can re- review the idea, we can redo a new concept, and uh, we can be more proactive and it's, it's, we create some dynamism.
1: Thank you very much, Laurent. Good start to our topic. And now let's bring on uh, a previous guest on one of our seven, what do we have, 10 SAP Game Changers radio series now. It's Matthew Littlefield. He's co-founder, president, and principal analyst for LNS Research. And he sent me a quote from Coach John Wooden. Those of you in the sports world would know that. And here's the quote. Perfection is impossible. However, striving for perfection is not. Do the best you can under the conditions that exist. That is what counts. Matt Littlefield, how are you today?
3: I'm great, Bonnie.
1: Thanks for joining me. So talk to me, John Wooden. Would he have thought in terms of innovation laggard or leader? Let's translate here.
4: Yeah, well,
3: I think a lot of companies today can be trapped by the idea of, of perfection and needing to really... Uh, achieve that excellence um, at, a, at a super high level. And, and that can, I think, inhibit in some ways the the push towards innovation. So the idea of failing fast is something mm-hmm. that um, is important, and I totally agree with that. And I think that quote gets to that point where you can't be afraid to fail. Uh, you can't be afraid to come up short of perfection, but you can always strive to get there. Um, And I think it also has something core to my industry, which is manufacturing. So it really Mm -hmm. has that continuous improvement um, bent to it. And I think continuous improvement is is a great way to to achieve innovation.
1: Thank you very much. And, And in terms of laggard, do you see that there are a lot of laggards in the manufacturing field? I don't want you to tattle on anybody or give any names on this, Matt. But do you find that is innovation being embraced? What do you see?
3: i see I see both I, I see a lot of companies that that struggle with it. They know it's a buzzword. they see other companies doing it, mm-hmm. uh, but don 't really know where to start and then of course, you know some of the most innovative companies in the world really do a lot of their own manufacturing, so they, there's a full spectrum across the manufacturing industry
1: good, very interesting and by the time we 're done with our roundtable and the body of the show a little later on they 'll know how to get there right matt we're going to give them all kinds of great advice So we'll get thank them there. you for. Good. Thank you. That's the spirit. We're going to be innovation leaders here. That's why we're here. And joining the panel, third up, is Peter Mittermeier. He is the head of Business Innovation and Transformation for EMEA at SAP Business Transformation Services. And he sent me a quote from Albert Einstein, but surprise, this is a quote I don't think we've ever had on SAP radio, and it is a surprise. Here's the quote. Any man who can drive safely while kissing a pretty girl is simply not giving the kiss the attention it Deserves, Oh, Peter. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is is so charming. I can't even believe it's Einstein, but I believe you. Welcome, Peter. How are you today?
4: Thank you, Bonnie. I'm very well. Thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. How does this Einstein quote relate to our topic, morphing from innovation laggard to innovation leader? What would Einstein say about this, Peter?
4: Well, I think Einstein, um, he he would say that, um, well, I understand him in the way that you basically in when it comes to innovation you cannot afford compromises so you if you want to be an innovator um and you you strive to lead in innovation you have to be convinced you can do it and um not only the board or the the management can put that into a nice mission statement but you have to convince your people your most valuable asset in the company that everyone should be an innovator because only then your company can can be leading in innovation um, if you if you think you can leave innovation to the R and D and to the the management, then I think you cannot um, achieve innovation leadership. So I would recommend an organization to create the environment for the people where they can think, try, and fail. The the fail word is, is mentioned already um, uh, nicely often at the moment. So think, mm-hmm. try, and fail and uh, create ideas. But I think this is only when, when the challenge starts. In my experience uh, with our customers and the people who we work with, is, uh lack of idea is not the problem. We, uh, there are A lot of people out there have great ideas. The problem starts when you want to take this idea and bring it to the value um, in the market or in your organization. And this is where you need to jump in and safeguard the good ideas and also, let's say, park the other one somewhere where they can't do any, any big harm. So uh, they're not so good ones. So this is what what I think Einstein would say. And I, I sometimes think Einstein has created more aphorisms than he's created physical ideas. But, you know, he, I can be wrong.
1: Well, that's an interesting concept. I want to ask you a question, Peter, and I'm going to go back around the panel with a, a brief question. Then we'll find out what you're all drinking right now. I'm sure we have some great stories. question is, one of the other panelists, it was either Laurent or, or Matt, mentioned that, Innovation is a buzzword today. It's, oh, let's innovate. Oh, it's a great thing. Oh, that big I word. Well, the question is, are people taking it seriously from your observation, Peter? Is this something like, oh yeah, my company says we need to innovate. Yeah, I got a couple of ideas and damn, it's going to interrupt the process of my job and it's going to, it's going to make us have to do something extra and we're going to have to follow it through. Is this something that people are embracing because it sounds great or something they're shying away from because it sounds like a lot of work. Peter, what do you see?
4: I think they they might shy away from it at the moment and we of course try to change that, but they might shy mm-hmm. away at the moment from it because not it's extra work. I don't think uh, too many people are afraid of a bit of extra work, but they are afraid of taking a risk, I think. Um, because they might not have the um, trust they should have in their organisation that if somebody comes along and has a a really crazy idea that's a bit out there, or oh, very much out there possibly, and um, put some serious work into it and, and try it out. I think they they stay too much in their comfort zone with the incremental mm-hmm. innovation which is also very good, but the, to um, disrupt the status quo a little bit is not something that um, a lot of people would feel comfortable to do. and And this is what I mean. You should, as an innovation leader, be able to Um, foster these situations, create these situations and and engage people to think that way. You can always rein it back in but it's very hard to push it out.
1: Thank you. Great points. Uh, Laurent Dupras, do you you agree with what Peter observed? What do you see in in your industry or in your part of the world?
2: Yeah, um, containing the introduction about buzzword is not anymore a buzzword. Um, we, on my introdu- on, in my industry, we really try to 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 put in place some some processes to engage people to participate and to use these ideas. And uh, the the problem, the uh, for people that are on the ground, it's really difficult to promote their own ideas. Ideas, at the moment, is only coming from the top management, and not only, uh, and not from the ground. So that's why I think innovation, and if we put process on innovation, can really benefit the organization.
1: Thank you very much, Matt Littlefield. What do you have to say on this? Thoughts?
3: Uh, I do have a few. You know, we both research the innovation process, but are also a, a new company ourselves, only three years old. And we actually have mm-hmm. our our office space in the Cambridge Innovation Center in Kendall Square right next to MIT. Mm-hmm. And we see it all the time. Right, There are the environment that you're in can spur innovation, I think. So the Cambridge Innovation Center is designed for startups. But one of the things I've noticed over the past several years is that lots of large companies, very established blue chip companies are now taking office space within these innovation centers and creating innovation groups that want to be part of the startup culture, want to capture that innovation. Uh, So sometimes uh, you have to commit those resources and even move your innovation folks to the innovation community. Um, So I think that's an interesting trend that that really points in that direction where, hey, it is moving beyond just a buzzword, and companies are creating innovation groups uh, and putting resources behind those innovation groups.
1: Matt, that's fascinating. That's a great observation. Uh, Yeah, we used to do a show here on SAP Radio called Startup Focus with Game Changers, and I had the pleasure of speaking with panels of of startup, serial startup entrepreneurs from all over the world, and and the ideas were so, some of them, out there, but they were succeeding because they kept trying and trying again. They kept failing fast, and they were, in a sense, their own little innovation sandbox because they started the company very small, and then they grew it very quickly. Very good observation. Matt? Now I need to know who you three really are you know what's coming it's the what's in your cup today segment I love a little story so Laurent Dupraz, I think you're calling in from Switzerland what time of day or night is it what are you drinking or what are you going to drink right after the show Laurent talk to me
2: okay so I'm based in Geneva so it's 4.15pm so it's really the aperitif time so I'm drinking a local glass of wine I can say that it's the best one around the world um, why? Because uh, this uh, wine is coming maybe from from my grandf- uh, from my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was a wine yard and uh, he delivered the grapes to a cooperative, and this bottle is coming from this cooperative. So uh, we have some good wine in, in Geneva, but we can say that it's a little bit expensive when we we compare with France. But um, I I can say that my family has still some wine yard and we we continue to to delegate the production to another wine yard. So this is my little story on
4: that.
1: I love it. You have a vineyard in the family. That's great. I think we're all going to come and visit and find out about this wonderful wine. Maybe we can crack open a bottle with you. Thank you, Laurent. Uh, Matt Littlefield, where are you calling from today? Are you in Cambridge?
3: I am. I am in the Cambridge Innovation Center today.
1: Okay, what's the weather up there? We're kind of gray and cloudy, but not drizzly here on Long Island. What are you doing up there?
3: We've got that. We've got the misty fall yeah. today.
1: Yeah, so what are you drinking to combat the weather?
3: I've got a, a hot cup of coffee. Uh, i got to say it is from Starbucks. Full disclosure, they are a client, but I, I drank them before they were a client. Um, they're innovative as a company, I would say, which is which is interesting, and they, they do a lot of um, Different approaches to innovation, but I don't want to get into that. I want to talk about my own innovation, and it's just a little tip for everyone out there. Uh, yes. I like to get a grande coffee in a venti cup uh, so you get a little extra room without having to ask for room. Uh, it speeds the process, my own personal innovation that I'm proud of, and I think enough folks <laughs> even do it today that <laughs> they, they, they can plug it into the computer uh, without much trouble. So,
1: And what do you do with that extra room? That's what we want to know is what are you putting I'm, I'm, in? I'm is it just a blow on the. I'm, yeah. I'm a
3: cream guy. Loaded up the ah,
1: screen. that's what I wanted to know. Okay, good to know. I like that trick very much. Uh, and Peter Mittemeyer, I think you're in Switzerland also, am I right?
4: You are right. I'm in, just up the road from Laurent in Zurich um, in the German part of Switzerland.
1: And what are you drinking today?
4: Well, um, I'm looking at my espresso cup here, and it looks a little bit sad because I've just had it, and it was a lovely Nespresso um, from my very convenient machine. But what I would like to do, and I'm building on your idea, Matt, um, I always leave a little bit of room in the cup, and I actually drop a scoop of vanilla ice cream in there. And if it's late enough in the day, I'll add a um, a little scoop of amaretto, so which which is a uh, some, uh, a liquor and um, this makes it an affogato I then can call this drink an affogato and again this will immediately transport me to my favorite place in Italy uh, in Montefalco on the town square but it would have to be in 1998 so it needs to be a Doctor Who exercise here so I need to get into my Tardis <laughs> and go to 1998 Montefalco uh, which was the most romantic and tranquil place in the, on the planet at this time and drink my affogato there
1: Oh, so nice. And of course, I know what amaretto is. It's a lovely, lovely liqueur. Very, very nice. Thank you. Oh, I'm I'm in the mood. Just I got to go get something to drink now. Guess what? We're going to take a break. They only let Bonnie have water on radio show days. No caffeine is allowed. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. happy to be here on our episode number two in a new mini-series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP Services. Shout out to Michel Serrier, who is our sponsor. He's on the line listening and tweeting away all of these words of wisdom from my guests. We're speaking today with Laurent Dupras, an IS director based in Genève, Switzerland, working in the perfume industry, Matt Littlefield, Co-founder, president, and principal analyst for LNS Research, based in the innovation area of Cambridge, Massachusetts, my old stomping grounds. I lived in North Cambridge for a couple of years. Matt and Peter Mittemeyer, head of business transformation and innovation for EMEA at SAP Business Transformation Services. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to launch into about a 30-minute roundtable, starting off with some comments on morphing from innovation laggard to innovation leader from our first guest, Laurent Dupraz. Don't even think. About of touching that mouse that app that dial we'll be right back brad out
0: we're always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers.
1: We are speaking with Laurent Dupras, an IS director based in Geneve, Switzerland, Matt Littlefield based in Cambridge, Mass., at LNS Research, and Peter Mittenmeyer today in Zurich, Switzerland for SAP. And we're talking today about morphing from innovation laggard to Innovation Leader. Ready to start our roundtable? We'll go 25 to 30 minutes. Let's see how we go. And I'm going to start off with Laurent Dupraz. Laurent, you send me the following notes before the show. I think this is a great way to start our topic in earnest. You say, innovation requires support. From top management, the initiative has to be one hundred percent supported by the top, and that means convincing all managers. That sounds like a big task to me, Laurent. What have you observed on this? Let's get started, please.
2: Okay, so I took this sentence because uh, on my company we started this initiative, uh, an initiative two years ago, and uh, we 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 try to 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 be innovative, but. We can see, we can say that we failed. Um, why we failed? Uh, because we we tried to push innovation without the commitment from the top management. So, in terms of, they didn't understand the the concept. We had no uh, support in terms of uh, financial aspect. So, we tried to do something. It was really difficult to, to communicate, and I can say that we failed. And but we failed fast. And then after that we learn. And we decided to restart by zero and to to have some support from different teams and to explain what are the purpose, explain what are the advantage of uh, innovating and what are the advantage to put uh, some some processes around innovation. And then we had several discussions and then everybody from the top management understood and we went all together to the same direction. And when you really need to, to have, um, uh, you really need to have everybody uh, that are going in the same direction. Uh, it's, it's really mandatory to, to move on the innovation, and then when you are ready, you can communicate to all uh, your employees, and people are able to participate, are able to, uh, to help you uh, to put in place uh, some processes some initiative, and I think it's, it's aware of the success. It's, you, you should go in this direction to, to be really successful.
1: That's, that's a wonderful way to start. And, and Laurent, I want to ask you, whose job is it to come up with the innovation initiative in the first place? Where does it – maybe not whose job is it, but better put – where does it typically come from? Is it something that comes from the CEO? Is it something that comes from a new employee, maybe a millennial, maybe maybe a, a boomer, a baby boomer uh, is in the workforce for a long time and says, hey, I think there's a better way to do this, or wow, there's something exciting happening in our industry. Let's innovate to match or exceed that. Where does it come from? Who starts that initiative? Let's start there, Laurent, and then we will invite Matt and Peter to join in with us. Go ahead, Laurent.
2: So, so we are speaking innovation, uh, I think, from, from the R&D division. But it's not the same type of innova- innovation. We are speaking about making new molecular. What we are speaking now is uh, uh, to manage ideas uh, on on my IS organization is considered innovation. So these ideas uh, came from uh, my CIO. He said, mm-hmm. okay, we have to innovate. We have to do something different. Uh, we have to add, uh, we have to provide added value for the business. So, so it's, it came from, uh, the CIO and he pushed them. So he created an organization on innovation and we put a strategy and, and now we, we are growing and, uh, this is really, uh, what we are trying to put in place.
1: Sounds exciting to me. Matt Littlefield, LNS Research. I'm sure you observed something similar. What does LNS say or see in terms of where do these innovation initiatives come from? And do you agree with Laurent that it has to have 100% support by top management?
3: I, I, I do agree, Laurent. You, you do need to have that uh, top management support. And, and we see a lot of companies moving in that direction. Uh, you know, we mentioned innovation as a buzzword and moving beyond a buzzword. So I, I think there's a lot of CEOs out there today that want to have innovative companies and believe it is going to be a value generator for their company. What I think is happening is a lot of companies are creating innovation groups within their companies. Uh, but the challenges, and, and they're, they're dedicating budget to this for sure, uh, but mm-hmm. what I see happening over time, year two, year three of these groups being in existence, is how do those groups mature and build um, processes across the business and connect with different parts of the business to drive value? And what are the metrics that the innovation group itself is being measured by? Uh, These are all challenges that I see. So, yes, you have the CEO support and executive management support, and I think it's there. But then – how does that p- push out through the rest of the organization, like the IT organization, like manufacturing R&D? Uh, how do they all work together around innovation, and, and how do you measure innovation? So those are some of the challenges that, that I'm really interested in right now. Once you have executive support, how do you build that innovation into your organization?
1: Good points, Matt. Is there a time frame for this? Is there a typical time frame from the, the start of that innovative idea, and then the managers getting on board, or does it depend on what the innovation is and how far-reaching the tentacles are?
3: I I think it does depend. I I think companies want to have some type of um, filtering system on the different ideas, right? If it's a new product Mm -hmm. idea, a new business model idea, that could be a multi-year project. Um, If it's a a small tweak to a process, that is also an innovation. That could take days or weeks. Uh, So you have to be able to address both types of of innovation and then somehow prioritize those and, and understand where to drive resources.
1: Thank you, Matt. Peter, Mittermeier, talk to us. Thoughts?
4: Thank you. Yeah, I have a thought on that, and I, I, I'm in, in heavy agreement with you guys. But what, what my thinking is here is that um, I think about three very decisive elements of innovation, that, that where then innovation comes from or well, that it uh, fosters it. First of all, I think um, I can see that also uh, companies forming groups of um, employees and managers to to uh, take on and uh, create some innovation but we we would like to see or what I would like to see basically is to to move the needle from the group to the network and build a network of um, these groups and individuals uh, within the corporation uh, within the company and also include um, innovation partners from from external areas so from from the academia from um, suppliers from customers to really create a network where you can um, take the idea, bounce it around and, and develop it and once you have that and i 'm going into the capability and intent direction here, I think you ha- when you have that, you need some innovation leader, some obsessive innovation leader, somebody who challenges, who has the authority and who has the this- that is in the company to challenge the network and the corporation all the time, not to be satisfied too early, um, not to be satisfied with an innovation every five years or every two years even. But it challenges everyone to, to. Um, Always push for um, for innovation, and the third one I think is, is some of uh, them I really had in my own teams as well. Um, the creative genius, and, and this creative genius is um, is an endangered species because it's uh, it's somebody who's um, constantly nagging, and we can do better, and has these crazy ideas, and and wouldn't you know follow the his KPIs and does something different. So these people also um, are very important. To, to um, speak out what many people probably think, but to have them in your organization, together with the obsessive leader and the great network, um, these are, um, are the recipe and, and elements of uh, creating innovation, to my understanding and my own experience.
1: I love the, the word obsessive, and I'm hearing something about excitement here, Peter, and the other panelists can comment, that innovation can be exciting and gratifying and scary and risky and a wow outcome if it's done right. There It sounds like there are a lot of emotional words that attach to it that we typically wouldn't put into a business context. Are you seeing that, Peter, the obsessiveness? You said crazy ideas. Who gets away with saying, hey, CIO, I'm knocking on your door. I have a great crazy idea for you. I don't know if that's how you would introduce the concept, but is this what we're looking for? And and let's bump this up to HR, to human capital management. Do you look Mm -hmm. for people who are going to come in typically, okay, you have a job. That's where you sit. This is how we play in the sandbox. These are the employee rules. This is the etiquette. And by the way, we'd love some crazy ideas for you. you. How do you get those crazy ideas? How do you give people permission? Peter?
4: Well um what what I see a lot and I'm we're employing um or using design thinking at the moment for now mm-hmm. 5 years already uh, excessively and I'm in contact with that in uh, 3 years and I do a lot of innovation sessions I call them innovation sessions now because it's basically not about design thinking that's the catalyst but we in this innovation sessions using design thinking we create an environment where uh we really Get a lot of crazy ideas out. I was just the other day with a customer in the UK, in the utilities industry, and the the, the challenge was typically utility oriented, but um, energy suppliers. But they actually came with a, um, a solution for their problem from the financial services industry. So that is a very interesting approach to solving. Um, a, a challenge uh, an innovation challenge in the energy supplying compa- uh, area so uh, these ideas are generated in these environments in these um, with these approaches and, and uh, tech, uh, methodologies and techniques but now it's the, the question how do you get that great idea which is mm-hmm. really unusual how can we create a, a, a pilot for the market within a few months and we we. Were, we to, to engage uh, lean startup methodologies um, in this environment, and by the way, this is a, a multinational organization; it's a big player, so it's a, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. But you know, and I'm building on on Matt's point here um, that you the corporations go into the innovation centers that are offered, um, for example, by the MIT or in, in in the vicinity of universities, just to create this new environment and take the basically out of the jungle um, for for the little uh, plant to grow um, until you can plant it back into the jungle.
1: Thank you, Peter. I want to move into a slightly different direction, uh, not too far from where we are right now. But, Matt Littlefield, I'm looking at some of your talking points here. I see something I'd like to explore. You say large and small software vendors and tech companies continue to see the U.S. as the mainstay of innovation. And here's the, the compelling part, Matt. You say they continue to overinvest in the U.S. for innovation and development. Talk to me.
3: Well, I think it is an, an interesting um trend that we're seeing as we're tracking the the software market out there. Um, Many, um, both large IT companies as well as large uh, technology companies are opening either innovation centers or um, uh, best practices uh, groups uh, in Silicon Valley, in Kendall Square, uh, around these tech centers and other places that are emerging around innovation um, to drive the overall company um, forward, uh, I see uh, examples without giving names of some of the largest companies out there uh, that really are trying to just suck up the talent that, that's out there. So, hiring many, many software engineers um, as well as um, innovation specialists to, to create these centers of excellence is within their businesses, and really the U.S. Uh, I think has the, the advantage here. Uh, we don't have the advantage in, in all areas of business, but I think innovation will be one of our mainstays going forward for a long long period of time.
1: Thank you very much. Laurent, thoughts about that? Do you see that from your vantage point in Switzerland, that there's an investment in U.S. because they think that's the home of innovation? What do you see?
2: Uh, I think it 's right because um, for example, on the operation side, what we are doing in Europe is we are investing in Asia or we are investing uh, east of uh, Europe, but concerning uh, innovation it's we have some difficulty to to innovate, and when we are speaking about startup up, the startup are always starting from uh, from from the u s and when we would like also to implement a new methodology, as, as Peter, you say, lean startup. I think we are not ready because this uh, lean startup methodology is coming from the automotive uh, sector. It's uh, really a, a new concept, a new type of development. You need to be close to the business, and we, we try. We really try to push that, but we we have really some difficulty to to convince our manager, our top manager. To, uh, to invest time, to invest money, and to go to, to this kind of methodology and, 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 and to do that in Europe. So what we do at the moment, honestly, is to work with uh, American universities or American mm-hmm. partners, and we work together to develop our business.
1: Thank you. Peter, thoughts? Is the U.S. still the hub of innovation energy? What do you see?
4: I would say yes, it's still. And I would also agree with Matt that it will be in the future one of the biggest assets of the US um, because they have the the right mentality for for creating innovation. However, I have to say um, in Germany, there is in Berlin um, a very vital um, startup scene developing and they actually do import from the Silicon Valley. Some innovation leaders to more or less try to teach uh, the Europeans how to do that. Whether that will work out, I'm not sure. Um, I still think that at least when, when in our company, when we think about innovation, we always look to Palo Alto and how how these guys are doing it. But also, we'll try. We're trying to build a network um, across the globe of innovation centers and um, um, people who drive innovation and, and want to innovate, just to basically make sure that. Um, We learn from the methodologies in the the Silicon Valley, in the startup industry in the U.S. and bring it into the organization, into our network, because I think um, if we do not do that, and I agree with Laurent here, um, we're coming from an incremental uh, innovation culture. We will Mm -hmm. um, probably not master the huge technology challenges and opportunities that we're facing at the moment.
1: Thank you. Matt, I want to add one more comment from your talking points, and then I'm going to turn to some statements from Peter. But you added that this trend is also continuing to create what you call the digital divide in society. Can you tell us what that is?
3: Well, uh, you know, I I think there is a lot of talk about inequality in many different cultures today, and um, I think innovation may be one of the drivers of that. There's a lot of... um, Thought about how technology can um, drive value for all types of consumers, uh, but really technology today is still impacting the the the, the top of uh, you know, GDP earners in terms of both countries as well as within countries. So I think that's a challenge that that we face overall as a culture around innovation. But I think it's also around the nature of technology and how it's deployed. Uh, throughout a society, so so very often it does start um, at the top, and then as those costs come down, um, it can benefit all. So so that was one of the things that I was interested in talking with the panel on is um, you know where do we think this innovation is going to drive technology in the future, and is it something that's going to increase inequality, or is it something that will help um, drive and and democratize inequality over time? So I, I think there's a lot of interesting trends going on around that, uh, and mm-hmm. I think we should just be cognizant of it as. Um, representing large corporations or as uh, representing technology companies, uh, I think we should be mindful of that as we think about um, innovation and how it does impact a society broadly.
1: Thanks, Matt. I'll, I'll get Laurent to comment briefly on this and then Peter, and then I want to go in a new direction. Laurent, thoughts on this digital divide from where you sit?
2: Um, not in my mind. So, sorry. Uh, I think I'm quite aligned with, with, with Matt.
1: Okay. Peter, thoughts on this?
4: I do have a thought, yes, and I agree with Matt and Laurent there. There is the danger of um, dividing society. And if I look at the business side of it, um, w- there is a possibility um, that the cloud is giving us at the moment to mm-hmm. um, set up environments that, for example, small companies, startup companies, individuals would not be able to afford to implement uh, in their own corporations. But if we use... Um, the technologies that cloud can offer us. For example, we could give a small company temporary access to big data analytics, very sophisticated technology, very sophisticated algorithms, and for very, very little money can give them the opportunity to, for example, use this to apply it to their own purposes, to their own projects. Um, And that would then um, democratize technology, would democratize uh, innovation, uh, as as an opportunity. That's what what I can see, or what what we could do in in this case.
1: Thank you, Peter. I'm looking at your talking statements you sent me before the show, Peter. I have two places I'd like to go, and I know we're going to take a break in around seven minutes. So I'm going to start with the second one, since we're trying to give advice to our listeners about morphing from an innovation laggard to an innovation leader. Let me go with this one. You say innovation runs a different business model. Costs occur now, Rewards come much later, and your advice is do not measure innovation with a short-term cost focus. Run a strategic innovation portfolio and stick to it. Talk to uh, talk to our listeners about your advice on this one. Peter?
4: Yes, um, um, I'm happy to. Um, we We talked uh, al- already about top management support, and I think top mm-hmm. management um, and the uh, need to understand the different operational model of innovation and the the day to day business innovation is is per se per definition an investment in the future, so this is the creating the future for any given organization and um, for an organization to be innovative, they first of all has to know how to so basically somebody has to teach the organization the methodologies, the processes the put a governance in place, um, really build the capability to create an idea and bring this idea to market value. This is one thing, and the intent is the other one, and this is where the obsessive leader comes in and the creative genius because they basically should teach the organization to be innovative all the time, everywhere, not just towards the, the market, uh, towards the customers, but also towards their suppliers, towards the competition on the labor market to t- compete for best talent. Uh, the, that's a big war going on for talent. And um, this is the the question of ability and intent. And this cannot run on a short-term cost focused operational model because basically this is all cost and the reward, reward will come later. We would like to, to see and, and what we're building is strategic innovation portfolios. Take all these ideas, the projects and put it into a portfolio. You can use a risk-reward matrix portfolio. Um, you can use um, impact and, and ease of implementation. Um, some some portfolio that tells you where are your, your big um, future potentials and where where, where they are on the risk uh, radar, and then go through the portfolio and use your ability and use your intent in a strategic way and and launch these um, almost research into the areas how and where this can create a new business model for the company, a new new product, a new way of recruiting and retaining talent. So this innovation portfolio should not be reduced to new products and services I can sell, but also new ways and methodologies and processes and ways to address all our markets. It's not uh, the financial market, the labor market, uh, the market for uh, for resources and, and products. And that has to be ubiquitous.
1: Thank you very much. Guess what? I have one more topic I want to cover. We may or may not take the break. I haven't decided yet. Let's see where this goes. Peter, I'm going to start with you, and then I want Laurent and Matt to come in on this. You say you have to be close to your business partners and understand the unarticulated need. And then you add, do not restrict innovation to your customer. You need to be innovative for your customer's customer, your next employee who might not even know yet you will employ her or him. So it looks like there's a chain, a continuum, if you will, of this innovative obsessiveness and spirit. You're saying, yes. don't just start with, here's a need on the table. What's the next need or the related need, the tentacles of this need? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about this, Peter, and then we're going to have uh, Matt and Laurent come in on this. Go ahead.
4: Yes, um, I, I'm glad to. Um, I'm just taking an example to illustrate that. I've, I've, I've done a uh, design thinking workshop in Pittsburgh, the chemical company, and their intent was not to meet the customer's expectations they know because they felt they already are pretty good at that. they they really already there and they wouldn't really know how to to make the customer more happy because they're already on time, on quality, um, on scope. So they felt they really already meet the customer's expectation, and the customers told them so as well. So they said, what we need to do is to make and support our customer to do his business with their customer much better. It was a packaging uh, environment. And they thought of a business network that um, would enable them, as the chemical company, to manage the entire supply chain to the end consumer of these products. So, they thought of their customers' customer and the consumer and what they could play, as this chemical company, a role in the whole chain. Plus, they always said, okay, we need to know the hidden demands, Things that a customer doesn't articulate can't, because if you ask what are your demands, he can only tell us what he thinks. So they said we need to be in the process, we need to go and cooperate with them, observe what the situation is, and then see and judge for ourselves what the customer needs and propose it to him and delight him that way it's a, it's a bit like tom ford not tom ford that's a completely different guy um the automotive manufacturer said if i would have asked people what they wanted they would have told me get me faster horses because they didn't know there is a, a um a automobile to be bought so that's the that's the idea behind that statement
1: thank you peter great statement laurent let's go to you and then to matt we may skip the break let's see how this goes uh, laurent thoughts on this
2: Okay, so 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 I completely agree with Peter. We need to be close to the business, but um, close does not mean that we need to speak uh, on technical aspect. Uh, At the end, the business don't care about technical aspect. What they need is to to that we have to answer and create opportunity for them. Um, I can take a, a second example with Apple. They create the iPad, and but at the end, they had no market. People don't doesn't, don't understand what are, what was the advantage to have an iPad, and now we can consider that it's a, it's completely a successful product. So mm-hmm. we have to do the same. We uh, the IT division is not only there to provide um, a, a solution, but is maybe there to to organize some design thinking workshop to to help them to create the need. And uh, first, we need to understand them. And when we understand them, then we can create a, a global solution for, for them. And it's really what they are looking for. So, so, uh, on our organization, we have more and more business analysts. And these business analysts are, are discussing with the, with the, the business people with more with his new knowledge as a design thinking with a new business model. So this is really the trend that we try to have uh, in my company.
1: Thank you very much. Great points. Matt Littlefield, talk to me.
3: I, I, I agree with, with the other panelists. I think there is A need to think about your customer's customer. I really like that idea. And the reason I think that's important right now and should be part of anyone's, any company's innovation strategy is because of how many industries are transforming business models right now as technologies around the Internet of Things, machine to machine, uh, big data analytics, all of these technologies um, are more and more accessible today. Uh, They're being built into our products and creating smart connected products for our customers. Uh, We see it in the automotive industry, We see it in the industrial equipment industry, the aerospace and defense industry. Uh, All of these industries, the products are transforming, um, allowing companies to develop new services around the products they've traditionally manufactured, as well as changing the business model around how they monetize those products, moving to more of a rent or service-based model rather than just a a capital equipment model. Um, So as these business models transform, Uh, that is a ripe time for innovation. And the only way you're going to see those opportunities, maybe as a supplier to one of these brand owners or as the brand owner yourself, is to think about what's my customers' customers' need. And they might not even know that need, as as the other panelists have mentioned. So I think there's a lot of emerging technologies right now that are are hitting the manufacturing industry as we speak. And it's just driving um, new business models, which – allow for that innovation. So I think customers and companies that don't think about that type of innovation around those new business models uh, really could lose uh, any advantage or market position that they have.
1: Thank you, Matt. Guess what? We're just going to skip the break. We're on a roll here. These are great topics. What's the point in taking a break? I want to keep the momentum going. I'm going to be innovative with the format of the show. More and more, we're not taking that break because the conversations are so good, and that's a testament to my three panelists, Laurent Dupraz, an IS director in Switzerland at a perfume company, Matt Littlefield, co-founder, president, and principal analyst for LNS Research based in Cambridge, Mass., and Peter Mittemeyer at Zurich in Switzerland for SAP Business Transformation. Services. So we're going to circle back and let's launch right now really smoothly into our prediction segment. We call it the crystal ball. I know you're all prepared. I know even though there wasn't a break before the show, you all went out into the garage or the maybe Laurent went into the vineyard. I don't know, and found a crystal ball and polished it off. And I'm going to ask you, Laurent, I'll give you each. uh, Let's see. We have to stop in eight minutes. I'll give you each two full minutes for a wrap up and predictions. Laurent, if we met again in 2020 or whatever year you can see clearly in the crystal ball, what would you be saying about your industry, about the world, about anything in terms of companies moving from innovation laggard to innovation leader? Laurent,
2: go. Okay. So uh, as I said to, to my introduction, I think we are going to have two types of uh, IT, uh, community commodity, uh, commodity departments, and we can say innovation department. So the role of the innovation department will be close to the business. So it means that uh, to to create some opportunities, uh, to discuss with the business, to to uh, to to create some some uh, some good dynamism, and uh, also the role is to to create to run also some small projects and to change the investment model. Um, we can imagine uh, a department like a startup. So we can use, for example, the methodologies a Lean Startup. That that is not only for IS, but when we run a project, we we run uh, people uh, with a small amount of people that are from the business, from the IT division, and working together on to to grow. Um, we can also um, uh, use also the, the crowdsourcing, so have help from from internal help and from external help. I can say from university, from from partners. So um, I think the the world is changing really uh, drastically, and uh, we need to change our habits, and we need to continue to 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 innovate. So that's why we we have this new team, this new innovation team on each organization, and we need to continue and continue to invest time, money. So, yeah, that's my vision.
1: Thank you, Laurent. I'm thinking about innovative ideas for the perfume industry. I know absolutely nothing about it, but I'm thinking maybe instead of a line of perfume by a a movie star or by a a singer or uh, like a I don't know. People are designing furniture lines now, and they all have their own perfume. How about perfume for an astronaut, or perfume, men's cologne from a race car driver? Zoom, get you on the track. I don't know. I'm just thinking, but that's just a, a consumer's viewpoint. Thank you, Laurent. Great points. Let's go to Matt Littlefield at LNS Research. Matt, how far out can you see in the crystal ball in Cambridge today?
3: You know, I like 2020. It's a it's a good year to think about. So so good. let's let's talk about it. Um, you know I think a lot of the emerging technologies that, that we've been writing about and talking about at LNS for the past couple of years as many others in the industry have around the Internet of Things or cloud or big data uh, really are going to be part of the fabric of our products and our business process and how we manufacture in the future. Uh, I think that's about the right time frame for these emerging technologies to, to be mainstream. Uh, in Europe you talk about um, industry 4.0 i think a lot of the companies that we work with really are targeting that 2020 to 2030 time frame of when that concept and idea will become a reality around a truly networked manufacturing plant or truly connected and smart products and i think with that emerging technology those companies that have built up the innovation processes and the innovation uh, maturity within their companies are the ones that are going to be most well positioned to drive uh, the value of the new technology innovations. So within these companies, I think there's going to be a tighter and tighter connection between uh, the IT groups, the technology groups, and the innovation groups. Uh, I think that's a very, very um, critical um, set of capabilities that need to come together for companies to truly succeed in the in the in the years to come. Uh, so so that's where where I see uh, the industry growing I think over the next uh next 4 or 5 years here.
1: Thank you, Matt. And a quick question for you before we we have plenty of time for you, Peter, not to worry. A uh, question for you. Do you see millennials in the workforce as a source of innovative ideas, as the ones who are going to raise their hand first and say, ah, innovation sandbox, ah, innovation incubator, ah, separate office from my company in an innovation building. Wow, let me be the one. Do you see that energy coming from the youthful influx into the workforce, Matt?
3: You know, I think that the, the millennials have changed the way companies think about engaging employees. Uh, so using much more modern um, social networking tools, for example, internal to a company. So creating your own internal social network, um, having a robust and very um, usable technology within the organization. So I, I see the millennial mindset changing how companies approach both their internal technology as well as overall innovation, but just from the seat here in Cambridge and looking at the community of innovators that that we have here, it's not just millennials, it's um, folks from all walks of life, all types of roles in the companies uh, are interested in using these new new tools, new processes, and being part of innovation, so uh, I think the millennial generation really is driving change within organizations, Mm -hmm. but but I don't think it's just millennials that want to participate.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that. I was hoping that's where you would take it. Peter Mittemeyer. you have two minutes, actually a minute and a half, 90 seconds, predictions. Go.
4: I will talk very fast. So <laughs> what I see in 2020, we will have the question of the capability solved. And I think Matt and Laurent just elaborated on that. I think companies, I, I see it at the at the start of a big curve in terms of, Bringing innovation in terms, uh, processes and, and methodologies and tools in the co- into companies, creating all these innovation centers. I've just had. I was lucky enough to work with the Dubai Expo 2020, where we actually looked into 2020 and what will be there. And Dubai mm-hmm. wants to be um, the expo that connects the minds and creates the future, and creates a, the, the Expo 2020 will be a platform for connectivity and will remain afterwards as such uh, a platform connectivity and innovation and i think these centers will will have been created throughout the world and in these centers not only corporations will innovate and sell the products and they innovate there, but also it will be used for open and co-innovation, which is driven by cities, um, countries, and involving these cooperation. and they will take on the big issues of society, like um, we see now a um, smart city concept evolving, connected mobility is evolving. This is what's going to happen, I think, and I hope in 2020, and before I sound too naive and, and um, idealistic... Um, we looked into this, and there are benefits and there are business cases, and all these uh, stakeholders can actually make business, create business out of that. So, the network that will create, in my opinion, um, will take place as the guiding—you take the place as the guiding unit rather than the enterprise. And um, if it probably not has already done so, and we we just haven't all realized it my view on, on 2020.
1: Thank you very much. You got me right at to the point. I think I have 30 seconds left to close. First of all, thank you to my wonderful panel. You're also forthcoming. Great ideas. Thanks for sharing, Laurent Dupras, Matt Littlefield, and Peter Mittemeyer. Thank you also to Michelle Serrier, who is the sponsor of this series, Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, Malcolm Kimball, and thanks for support with the panel, Brad and the Business Channel team. And you know this is the end of our week here, but starting next week, we start on Monday with HR Trends with Game Changers, Tuesday Financial Excellence with Game Changers, Wednesday, coffee break with Game Changers, followed by the Customer Edge with Game Changers. And next Thursday, we'll be back with Future of Business and the week after another Innovating Innovation. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I hope everybody has a great weekend. And here's my call to action Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Bye bye. <music>
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.